When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. WRKS Pickens Jack. Live from the Whiskey 61 Lounge inside the Bank Plus Studio. We're back. It's the Out of Bounds Show with Bo Bounds. Streaming live worldwide on the Out of Bounds Radio app. And on your radio at ESPN 105.9. What is that thing? The Zone. I enjoyed Spring Street Cigars in Starkville yesterday. That worked out really, really well for me. Spring Street Cigars in Starkville, Tupelo, Oxford. Two locations in DeSoto County. Kosciuszko, new spot in Meridian. Uh, We are the Out of Bounds Show. ESPN 105.9 The Zone, and we are brought to you by Spring Street Cigars. And the all-new one in Meridian, Mississippi. We have a great listener base in meridian both live and on the podcast y'all check it out all of them have smoking lounges so you can grab a cigar grab a chair and uh kind of get lost or do some work whatever you want to do at uh, spring street cigars in meridian right off of i-20 you know we were talking meridian a couple of days ago when i was mentioning dive bars i had broadcast from the three-foot hotel in Meridian. And it's a beautiful spot. It really is. Well done. They went in and renovated it. I think it's under the Marriott umbrella, but I'll have to check again. They got a rooftop bar. Hey, you feel like you're in New Orleans, Charleston, wherever. I mean, it's so cool. I didn't realize they had spent well over 100 or $200 million downtown in Meridian, but they've had beautiful buildings. They're having a reboot, uh, revitalization, and... Um, We had some awesome partners um, host us so that we could do a show over there. We did it last football season. Uh, I remember taking the New Orleans Saints helmet, Dallas Cowboys helmet, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. I may have taken another one. But um, we did a show that morning from the rooftop bar in in Meridian, the three-foot hotel. It's really nice. And they've got some good restaurants downtown, too. So um, I was tying that into Spring Street Cigars just opened up in Meridian, which is great. It's a beautiful cigar shop and lounge. And I was here in Starkville yesterday, and I had an Aladino cigar. Ran into some guys uh, from – it's amazing how many people are – you know, with all the growth through, you know, the Golden Triangle and what Joe Max Higgins has done, um, over $10 billion in industry coming in to the Golden Triangle. 
and and then the that engineering school such a monster there are so many different people from all walks of life and industries uh that come through that spring street cigars in starville now look they're all nice but this one is the nicest it's because of the building they grabbed a very old two-story building beautiful exposed brick beautiful hardwood floors two bars one downstairs one upstairs um just you know again that brass and copper that you want plenty of restrooms uh right there on main street across from from the guest room speakeasy it's a beautiful beautiful shop we're lucky to have it also want to give a shout out to uh an awesome new partner that we have southern ag credit southern ag credit financing life outside the city limits i like that southern ag credit financing life outside the city limits Um, from livestock to agribusiness and land loans Southern Ag Credit has the experience and expertise to make your dream of owning land a reality. Financing life outside the city limits, powered by Southern Ag Credit. All right, Jason feels like we need to get into this, and it's the summer, so I'm going to give it a couple of minutes. We're going to see if Jason can frame this up really quick. All right, so UFC... Wildly popular. Dana White, insanely rich. <laughs> yeah. Right? Right. He's going to be a billionaire. Um, and, and kudos to him. The story's amazing. He was broke just, whatever, a decade or so ago. It's amazing what can happen in this country. Uh, but he found, you know, again, he found a model, a plan, boom, delivered it the right way to the masses. People like it. And I don't know how to explain this, but how do I say this? As humans, we're attracted to violence. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, we just, it's the cold, hard reality, right? I mean, we're attracted to violence, sex, uh, you know. I mean, it's why you watch the Netflix shows and the Amazon Prime shows and even has the, I guess what, coming out of the 60s and 70s, we got more risque on uh, ABC, NBC, and CBS. Hell, people thought Dynasty was crazy. All right, so here we go, Jason. Uh, tell me about this. Give me the give me the cliff notes. Tell me about this fight, UFC, and the Saudis and the Piff Fund. Okay, so Tyson Fury is the heavyweight champion of the world in boxing, uh, maybe the best heavyweight ever. He just and his story's crazy. He it's a big comeback underdog story, but he's been the best for a while now. They call him the Gypsy King, and Francis Ngannou is the heavyweight UFC champion of the world. He also has a comeback story. He it took him forever to get to the top, and he knocks people's heads off. I mean, it's the hardest hitter we've ever seen, harder than Tyson, most brutal knockouts you've ever Whoa. seen. Whoa. I mean, it's... Tread lightly there. I'm, I'm telling you, you, you watch Young some of buck. these fights. You watch some of these fights, and it's incredible. So he decided he was renegotiating his contract with the UFC. He wasn't getting enough money. UFC fighters make you know hundreds of thousands of dollars, but they're not making Conor McGregor boxing money. You know, Conor McGregor made $100 million in one fight versus Floyd Mayweather. So Francis Ngannou, with his star power, wants to do the same. Decides not to take the contract with the UFC so he can make a boxing fight. The fight comes through. 
against Tyson Fury, which they were trying to set up, and it's backed by the Saudis. It's going to happen October 28th, I believe, in Saudi Arabia. And Francis Ngannou is set to make almost 10 times more. There's not an exact number out yet. 10 times more than he made in his entire UFC career in one fight wow. against Tyson Fury. And wow. that, if that doesn't tell you where the Saudi money is playing into sports, I don't know what does. Okay. All right. So the Saudis are going to throw that fight October 28th in, in Saudi Arabia, right? Yes, in Saudi Arabia. Okay. Okay. And what has happened is the border countries over there have enjoyed more American-driven, European-driven, and I guess Asian-driven tourism. And, and not just tourism, but, well, I mean, the Saudis, I guess you don't ever have all the business relationships you want. But they're already, I mean, they're already entrenched on Wall Street and, and coast to coast, but they want to be more so. And they're trying to fight their history of human rights atrocities and so on. And their PIF fund will be, you know, the most the most funded fund in the world and over, worth over a trillion dollars by 2025. And as Jason just said, um, Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou will mm -hmm. be going at it right in the heart of football season, and they'll get a good number. And, and I guess it'll be pay-per-view, yes. Jason? Yeah, it'll okay. be pay-per-view. Okay. And what where they've crushed is they've got Jason's age group, and that's what everybody's looking for. Yeah. Right? What happened to Major League Baseball recently? When they made the changes and they shortened the game, what did they just roll out this week? The average ticket price, right, prior to the season, 49 years old. Right? What is it today? 42. Wow. What did Liv do? Liv was crushing at 50 and under. What was the PGA? 60 and over. Not hard to run the numbers. Right? So, I mean, you can say what you want about the Liv Tour, but they catered to that group 45 and under. Hey, let's go party and have fun. I've always said this. Why don't they let you talk in the chalets at golf tournaments? These guys are good. I mean, they can chip off the green with somebody talking about business or a good-looking woman or whatever. All right, day bar two coming up, 930 on the Farm Bureau Insurance guest line. Bundle your car and home and save with your local Farm Bureau Insurance agent. Bar two at 930. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Some of the places that I've been recently that have uh, woo, super premium Patron tequila, 100% blue agave, and it is delicious.
All right. So I was at the guest room last night. Coolest speakeasy in Mississippi. They have Patron Silver. Now, I made a request with their bartender, Mike, who I've known for years. I was like, Mike, we got to get at least some Patron Añejo in here, buddy. And he was like, all right. But they have Patron. Uh, Enzo, wonderful Italian spot, and um, the Renaissance has Patron. Bulldog Burger, all of them have Patron. One of our great partners, Burger in Ridgeland. Bulldog Burger, in, and they got a really cool bar in Ridgeland. Bulldog Burger in Startville. They also have a really cool bar. And Bulldog Burger in um, Tupelo. So, um, you know, we were telling you a little bit about, I've got a meeting later this afternoon with the Patron crew, which I'm excited about. Great group. It's number one selling tequila in the world. There's a reason. It's super premium, and it's 100% blue agave. You know, a lot of them claim to be, but they're not. Patron is. Um, so I've been on a big Patron Extra Añejo kick. You know, aged three-plus years. It is absolutely delicious. On the rocks with an orange. You can't beat it. Well, a few days ago, I found some Patron Añejo in my freezer. And I love Patron Añejo, but I hadn't had it in a while. I was like, I forgot I had that. I was going in to get some fries to put in the oven. I'll pour a little bit of that on the rocks. Delicious. Absolutely delicious. And um, that takes me to one of the summer cocktails that we want to feature for you, and that's Patron Ranch Water. And so it's an ounce and a half of Patron Silver. And uh, 0.75 ounces, give or take, of lime juice. Make sure it's good lime juice. And then um, 12 ounces of bottle of sparkling mineral water, Topo Chico, whatever, whatever direction you want to go. But that's a Patron, ooh, Patron Ranch Water. Also want to tell you about Patron El Cielo. Now, this is pretty cool for those of you who like really premium boutique spirits um, that are handcrafted, lots of work put in them. So I was in Nashville at the Kid Rock concert a couple of weeks ago, and I was waiting on my friends to get there, so I had about four hours to do whatever I wanted. And I thought, all right, I'm just going to jump in a bunch of Ubers and hit as many restaurants and bars as I can and just soak up Nashville because, I mean, that's what you do. And that's the business we're in. And I had an unbelievable brunch, as I told you, at Pinewood Social. And they had Patron because it's local. They're cool. It's very swanky, bougie place in Nashville. All kinds of good-looking people. And so I was staying at the Embassy Suites downtown Nashville, which is a really nice hotel, by the way. It felt like it was brand new. It's either been renovated or it's brand new. But they're, um, they had an adjoining hotel called one and evidently this there's only a few of them well they had a cool bar and i walked over and because i'm waiting on my buddies to get there late afternoon and we meet and go to the kid rock concert they were kind enough they had a suite bridgestone arena had it were kind enough to invite this mississippi kid to go see kid rock haven't seen him had a blast fun in concert loved it so i go over to this bar and they have el cielo which is 
Patron's uh, radiantly smooth, naturally sweet, and it's their new prestige silver tequila. And they say on their site, unlocking the naturally sweet flavors of agave while achieving an undeniably light, fresh, and ultra-smooth finish. Well, let me tell you something. It was delicious. I got the Patron El Cielo on the rocks with an orange. Phenomenal. I mean, it's big time. And I mean big time. It's distilled four times to unlock 100% naturally sweet and subtle agave flavors. Patron El Cielo delivers an incomparable taste with an undeniably light, fresh, and ultra-smooth finish. You will see it in the Jackson Metro Market. And um, if you go to Patron's Instagram account, which they do a great job, it's a bunch of really good-looking people having a big time. But if you go to Patron's Instagram account, you'll see what I'm talking about uh, with their new tequila, El Cielo, by Patron. All right. Jason did a good job framing up the boxing match between uh, Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou and the fact that the Saudis are behind it and hosting it October 28th, and these two dudes are going to make an insane amount of money. I love Tyson Fury's nickname, Gypsy King. I'm down with that. Everybody needs a little <laughs> gypsy in them. And this is going to be interesting to see what I, Really, it's going to come down to, as far as uh, Saudi Arabia, what they don't get into with the public investment fund. They just bought Pro Golf. They bought the PGA um, and the European Tour. And it, it's, it's making some people uncomfortable, and I, I recognize that. It's also, this is going to sound, it's also going to be better for professional golf going forward. I, you know, look, and, and they're already here. They're already doing business with companies that are in your mutual funds or individual stocks that you own. And, I mean, the head of the PIP fund is on the board of Uber, among other boards. So they're here. You know, their fund will have over a trillion dollars in it by 2025. They're going to be able to do what they want. It's just going to be a matter, really, of what all what all they don't have. It's It's how much of the NBA will they have. Eventually, how much of Major League Baseball are they interested in MLB? I know they'll be interested in NBA. Um, I think why not, right? I would think so. NBA for sure. I mean, quick, played in an arena, has the young people. Nobody really watches it, but they love the social media. I mean, I like the NBA in the playoffs. There's it's it's great live. It's amazing. Um. It, it, look, it's a good product. They're, they're world-class players. I mean, I love when I run into the guy, it was better in 1986. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I'm glad that you enjoyed the Mike, the Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and and Michael Jordan was getting up and running run. I did too. It's not. They're better players today. It's deeper. They're more athletic. Whatever. If you go down to New Orleans or up to Memphis, I've been to both and been well over t- probably 2025. 20, New Orleans games, it's great. And for me, as ADD as I am, I can sit down and that game's over in two hours. That's a beautiful thing. That's why they'll always capture the 35 and under market to a certain extent. Could they do some things better? Yes. Back to to the 
you know, Saudi Arabian or Saudi Arabia PIF, Public Investment Fund, is the only one that could withstand the whole deal is, I guess, the NFL. That doesn't mean that they're not going to buy individual franchises. I would think that they will over yeah. the next few years, but we'll see. I mean, we're playing more more games in London and Germany and now Mexico City. I don't know where the NFL is going because, as we said, I don't know how you're going to get free agents there. If you drop a team in London, I don't. I just don't see how you're going to get guys to be a free agent there. I mean, I understand how you can move a team there. Here's the deal. You're under contract. We're going to London. However, as far as the open market, so to speak, how in the world are you going to get free agents to sign with you over New York, Chicago, Dallas, Miami, L.A.? And even the smaller markets are great, like, you know, New Orleans. All right, the Out of Bounds show is brought to you by Super Premium 100% Blue Agave, Patron Reposado, Añejo, and Extra Añejo. Pick up some today. Try it. Delicious, delicious premium tequila. Bar 2 next. All right, we got the crazy man of college football. When I uh, talked to him yesterday, I said, load up on crazy pills before we do this. Uh, Dave hadn't been on in a month or so. And he said, I'm in. And so this is the guy that grades all 11. Nobody has ever done this in college football. There's 11 headsets on the sideline. Well, unless you're Nick Saban and you get 44. But but there's 11 headsets on the sideline. And Dave and his analytics firm have graded all 11 headsets. So you're asking, Bo, what are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about your head coach wears a headset. And your 10 assistant coaches. Now, they may not all be on the sideline on game day. I understand that. Some are on the sideline. Some are up in the press box. But you know what I mean. Your position coaches, OC, DC, O-line, D-line, wide receivers, safeties, they have graded all 11 headsets, including head coaches and assistant coaches. Nobody's ever done that in the world of college football. So Dave started off with the whole, you know, uh, talent, location, coaching. That's where we started, oh, okay. I guess, right. yeah, A decade ago. ago? Yeah. Yeah. It was, and it was then, probably close to that. Yeah, I think 2011 is the first time we had Bartu on. And right. Because Cooper Beasy found him, and now he's doing all kinds of cool stuff. Dave Bartu, good morning. Welcome in. How are you, bud? Dude, I'm, I'm doing great. I, I'm, I'm sitting here wishing I didn't schedule this radio show because I got six huge bull elk right in front of me right now within 100 yards. And it's not hunting season, so they're like, what are you talking about, dude? Headsets? <laughs> so, <laughs> literally, that is what I'm doing right now. So I'm I'm walking away from them. I'll go back to that here uh, here when we're done. But 
Um, no, the, the the headset. Well, the the, the talent location coaching uh, that was that was back in two thousand eight. That's when I, I came up with that, and that's the simplest way I could define how college football works. Uh, obviously, talent's number one. Recruited talent. Uh, last year, seventy two percent of all FBS games, uh, the better recruiter won the game. Seventy two percent in the SEC conference games. 70-plus percent of all conference games. Doesn't matter if it's home or on the road. Really not much home field advantage in the SEC. Uh, it's all talent-based, you know. And But I was always wondering, well, what's, what's, the, what's the difference? And that's when I came up with the coaching side of it. So you had mentioned keeping track of 11 headsets. And I know the listeners are going, well, that doesn't seem too hard, right? Uh, but we kept track of every, every head, all 11 headsets since 2009. So every guy has worn a headset in every FBS team and every FCS team. We have every play by we have every play of every game since 2009 going forward. We have every coach. We have their name. We have their position. They have an annual grade and they have a career grade. We have over 15,000 guys in our database. <laughs> so it's not too hard for us to make an all-conference SEC first and second coaching staff team. So. That's where the, that's where the C and TLC game is the coaching side of it, and we've spent better part of nearly a decade and a half uh, trying to pin these guys down for who's best at what they do on the field. Now, this, this doesn't count the recruiting side of it. This doesn't count head coaches and their ability to staff. This is just simply on-field results uh, relative to the talent they have, the talent they face, uh, and progression. Do they get better or worse each year? So it, it's been a uh, it's been a really long journey. But uh, you know, with the, with the articles coming out, obviously it's being recognized, and we are simply the biggest coaching search database in the world right now. I love it. Dave Bartu on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. This interview is brought to you by Super Premium Tequila Patron Añejo Tequila. Try some today. All right. Bartu, before I get in, I, I, I'm hoping that you'll drop a couple of nuggets now that you've partnered with, with 247 and CBS Interact, all that. But but you just mentioned something, and, and I, you, you said head coaches and their ability to staff. Mm-hmm. Could, could I make the argument, or would you make the argument, you and Adam, that, one, that's the biggest challenge that you see in the industry, because the overwhelming majority of them don't know what, don't know how to do it, much less what they're looking for, which takes us into the whole buddy system. But would you say that that is the, like that is the one skill set that you need to be? Is is that the number one thing that you need as a head coach? Is the ability to staff Bartu? I don't know if it's the number one thing because you need to have the ability to recruit. You have to be extremely organized. Um, you know, I mean, and these are, these are all guys trying to fit 30 hours into a 24 hour day every day, right? You, you, you and I both been around them enough. I mean, it is just, it is, it is a crazy intense job and you know, the, the, the buddy system and hiring friends, I've come, I've come to have a little bit better appreciation for it because most of these coaches are under such a time crunch they haven't been able to foster connectivity and relationships with good coaches. You know, you get hired December 1, guess what? National signing day is in three weeks. (laughs) 
you know, you, you better have your ducks in a row beyond ducks in a row. And so a lot of these guys, what I, what we found out because we, we are, we have coaches calling us literally hundreds of coaches calling us asking, Hey, am I good enough to, for you guys to help market me? Because guys who are head coaches or want to be head coaches, they barely have any time to go out and, and, and create connectivity. And then when they do, who do they get hold of? How do they know who's really good or not? You know, other than, than word of mouth and 90% of that's just agent BS. Right. You know, so, and then guys that want to get noticed, well, how do they know when a coach is, has the five minutes in a day to talk to them? So, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard. We're trying to change college football for the better from a coaching standpoint by connecting good coaches with good coaches. Uh, so, you know, but, but you will see predominantly when a guy loses his job. Well, let me give you an example. Last year, there were 17 FBS coaches uh, that lost their jobs last year, 17. Of those 17, 16 of them in our grading system, 16 had an offensive or defensive support staff that was bottom half in college football. Wow. So they, they, had, a, they had either a subpar defensive support staff or a subpar offensive support staff. 16 out of 17. The one exception was Paul Christ at Wisconsin. And that was, that was just an amazing staff. And, and, and Troy Taylor at Stanford was very, very smart, in my opinion, to go take like half of them. <laughs> so, you know, outside of, of Paul Christ in Wisconsin, the other 16 coaching staffs came into the season with our numbers saying, you know, at least half of the staff is not very good at all. Mm. Okay. So, so you, you kind of go through – there's several kind of number one things that they need to be able to do. The ability to recruit. Mm-hmm. Yep. The ability to be super organized. You and I have talked about that with, with Dan Mullen for, for years, among others. And mm-hmm. and and the ability to uh, to staff and staff at a high level, which the all right, how would how do I frame it up, Bartu? Would you say that the overwhelming majority of them don't know how to staff? What what would you say? I'd say the overwhelming majority of them. It takes time to staff, um, and, and they don't. And, and what you're connected. saying is they just don't have any time, right? right. They, don't, they don't have any time, and then they get the job, and only once do they get the job, guys start reach. Oh my gosh, Bo, Bo's now the head coach, you know, at at you know whatever LSU. Oh man, I really want to get in touch with him now that he's the new head coach. Right. And so guys that survive over time, they get more and more connectivity. And it's easier to do that uh, once you're the head coach. It's harder when you when you first start up. So, I mean, you will probably the biggest error of any uh, first new head coach is, is the difficulty of putting that first staff together. I think it becomes easier as it goes along. Um, some head coaches don't figure it out. And. Uh, you know, either the either they either they lose their job for it or the the performance just isn't there. So, yeah, re, the ability to recruit no. critical, the ability to coach, a staff critical, and then you have your on field results. You know, okay. how, how do you handle one point games? All right, there there is an outlier in this, and I, maybe there's mm-hmm. more than one. Like Steve yeah. Sarkeesian, he has yeah. an unbelievable staff. But they don't win. He never win. I, I mean, you can take Washington and Southern Cal, but right now he didn't win at the level he should have at Washington or Southern Cal. Okay, one. 
two, mm-hmm. he's at Texas. He's the head football coach at Texas, and he is surrounded by – he is a really good OC, not good head coach. He's got an excellent DC and excellent special teams coordinator. So every now and then there's an outlier, right? Just like in anything. Well, y- y- yeah, you know, but this is, this is where you have to be really good at everything. You know, with Steve, he, he is, um, you know, he's top top five play caller in the country. You know, he, he's first team all Big Twelve offensive coordinator. Uh, is he a good staffer? That 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 Texas staff is unbelievable. You know, two 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 through eleven, it is an unbelievable staff. Can he recruit? Yeah, he can recruit everywhere. He recruited at Washington, top twenty five classes, uh, USC, top ten, top five classes, Texas, top ten, top five class. Guy can recruit. You know, the weakness on paper of the whole thing is actually him the on-field result he he, he's great at getting all the pieces of the puzzle on the table right he's got a thousand piece puzzle all thousand pieces are there it's just connecting all of them that seems to be some sort of difficulty for him and and maybe he's you know over time he'll learn it maybe he'll get lucky one or two of these years and just put everything together but you know the downside for steve is he's basically underperformed the talent that he's had everywhere he's been. Washington underperformed the talent by about one game a year. USC underperformed the talent a little bit. You know, he wasn't there very long. Texas, bad first year, you know, and, and so, and, and still underperformed the talent last year. So the, the big question with him is going to be probably always and forever because a lot of these guys, you know, Tigers don't change their stripes. Um, the biggest question mark is always going to be himself. That's the only difficulty he has. Dave Bartu on the Out of Bounds show and the Farm Bureau Insurance guest line. Uh, his company, Matrix Analytical, totally disrupting the game of college football. Um, obviously grading all 11 headsets, staff building, recruiting, behavior analytics. That is Matrix Analytical, and Dave joins us on ESPN 105.9 The Zone. Real quick, we had a listener ask. Yep. You mentioned Paul Christ, mm-hmm. former yep. Wisconsin coach. Yep. I thought he did an unbelievable job at Wisconsin and was, mm-hmm. I guess, pretty darn good at Pitt. Uh, he got runoff. They obviously hired a really good coach, too, in Luke Fickle. You love his numbers at Cincinnati. But, mm-hmm. um, Dave, he's now an offensive analyst at Texas under Sarkeesian. Okay? Right. Yep. Okay. So – Day bar two in December. Would Paul Chris be a recommendation if an athletic director or a few athletic directors called you and said, "Hey, is this guy a good head coach?" What would Day bar two say? Oh, you mean like if Northwestern called, "Hey, should we interview this guy?" Oh, hell yeah, you should. Okay, right. I mean, that's really the bottom line. Paul's very organized. He's a very good staffer. Uh, he was okay at Pitt. You know, he did an okay job there. Uh, he did. He was really good at Wisconsin. He had regressed in the last couple of years, um, and then you know, then Barry Alvarez left. New AD comes in. You know how that kind of works sometimes. You know the, that's when cards get reshuffled. Um, so, but also Paul Chris is a very, very good offensive coordinator. He has a very good history. So, if you want to bring in a uh, a run heavy offense, you know, probably about sixty forty run to pass. Um, Paul is a very, very good play caller as well. So 
I, I think Paul's going to enjoy his fun in the sun down in Austin, little rehab down there. But I can promise you, since he is at Texas, his one and only goal is being wearing that number one headset again. That is it. Sure. It, it's, I, I will be surprised this time next year if Paul Chris doesn't have the title of head coach somewhere in college football. Okay. You you are rolling out um, the all-SEC, all-conference coaches teams tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yep, it's dropping tomorrow. Pac-12 drops today with CBS and 247. Uh, the previous conferences have gone out. So, yeah, the, the SEC was saved. Saving the best for last, baby. It'll be coming out tomorrow Tomorrow morning. All right. And do you want to drop a couple of guys? Drop a couple. Oh, here's, here, here's an interesting nugget that I found, too. Okay? Let's do it. And, and this is, uh, before before we get to it, but this is this is, this has relates with Georgia. And um, a lot of people don't realize this, but... That first Georgia National Championship a couple years ago, uh, the special teams coordinator, um, what was it? Was it Cochran that that had some life issues? I can't remember what it was, but the actual the actual guy with the headset, the special teams coordinator at Georgia, had some personal issues. He took a, he took a leave of absence, and there was a guy on the staff that got lost in the shuffle, and he was just basically an assistant, like Paul Chris. His name was Robbie Disher. And Robbie is right now, he is on the second team all Big Ten coaching staff for 2023. This guy is a top 10 special teams coordinator in college football. Nobody even paid attention to it, but he was on that Georgia staff. You know, so so when their real special teams guy with a headset went out, they actually had a better one sitting on the bench. And I think that, you know, every little thing makes a difference. But it's little things like that in coaching that people really overlooked that the numbers can find. So, but, but back to the, the SEC, some of, some of the, I mean, we, we all know Kirby and, and Nick are one too, right? Head right. coach. And, and we can, I mean, right. we can argue till, you know, till the sun goes down and the cows come home, which one you would take if you're an AD right now versus which one's had the better career, blah, 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 blah. Um, well, you would take the 47. I, I think nine, if not 10 out of 10 bar two, nine out of 10 would take the 47 year old over the 71 year old. And right, I know Nick right. is still awesome, but you know, yeah, yeah. It, it is. But you're you're still going to go that direction, you know. But from a career standpoint, numbers, performance overall since 2009, sure. Nick's still number one. Um, Absolutely. You know, some. So I, I think I think the DC. You know, when I was when I was looking at the list this morning before you called, I, I think the number one defensive coordinator is going to surprise a lot of people. Uh, real smart football fans won't surprise. Them. Won't surprise them, uh, but I, I think a lot of fans it'll surprise them. And but I think the other thing with the defensive side of it is when you're looking at the first and second teams when they post it, I think what's interesting is the average grade of the guys on offense is vastly superior to the average grade of all the guys on defense. This okay, is let's... a massively offense-heavy conference right now, hugely tilted toward the offensive side of the coaching. I want our listeners to focus on what Bartu just said because we grew up in a defensive driven southeastern conference three yards in a cloud of dust now everything was played in a box between the tackles Bartu went through a lot of stuff that he's not going to drop on here today but we will next week once he drops this on 247 sports cbs but Bartu, go over that let's let's do a deep dive in how heavy 
and offensive driven this league is today compared to you know a decade or so ago. Well, yeah, well, let's let's take a look at so the the number one defensive coordinator grade for the SEC this year. There's two things. First of all, the defensive coordinator at Texas, Pete Kiatkowski, when Texas comes in, he's the new number one DC if he's still around. Okay, so okay. so the, the the best DC in the SEC is actually in Austin right now. Okay, number one. <laughs> N- number two, um, the defensive coordinator grade that is number one in the SEC. There are one, two, three, four, five, six. I think there's six, or there might be seven offensive coordinators in the SEC that have a higher offensive play calling grade than the number one defensive coordinator's grade. Okay. So it is, you know, so you've got Freeze, you've got Heupel, uh, you've got Kiffin, you've got Phil Montgomery. Uh, you know, you start going down the list, and it's just you know one offensive coordinator after another. And heck, you just lost Kendall Bryles, you know. Uh, but Dan Danny just comes in, you know, and he's really solid. So when we, I think the story that the numbers telling me, looking at these first and second teams, is that it is a very everything has shifted from defensive dominant to offensive dominant in the SEC. And, and maybe that's even where Nick gets his, wow, it's really hard to stop these offenses. Yeah, because there's not a whole lot of defense uh, being recruited on the coaching side compared to the offensive side. They've brought in tons of offensive guys. And, you know, wait till Texas comes in. Now you're bringing in another top five offensive coordinator in Steve Sarkeesian. You know, Oklahoma ain't bringing and the number one to the table on the court. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah, Oklahoma ain't bringing things to the table. They, they got a they got a two and a half star OC and a three star DC. They they're not bringing nothing from a from a big time coaching standpoint. No, but Texas is, you know. Um, and but but the numbers are, it, it's cool to watch the evolution of football and then watch the evolution of a conference. And I think what we've seen in the SEC is we've completed completed a basically a full evolution from a defensive dominant conference to an offensive dominant one. Okay, and that's why Kirby's winning. He's got both, and and Bama has slipped. Oh, so. yeah, Kirby's not even the play caller, dude. If we know Kirby was the play caller, he, I mean, this is this is the number one play call, defensive play caller uh, in college football probably the last twenty years. You you, you look wow. at the top twenty five scoring efficiencies of this century. Kirby has his fingers in nine of them, either at Alabama wow. or at Georgia. Ah, uh, Kirby is there is there is no question. If, if he was still the play caller, heck, he might be. We don't know, right? I mean, Dan Lanning left, and the defense seemingly got better, right? So so it couldn't have been all Dan Lanning. You know, so, so Kirby is, even though he's not even the defensive play caller, his career as a defensive play caller in our system is number one. He is absolutely amazing from that standpoint. Uh, so, you know, that that's that's – I think that's why what, what turns Georgia's defense is is they still have the number one guy, even though he might not be calling the plays that we know of. Wow. Okay. So, Kaikowski at Texas will be the number one, but Kirby is kind of the pseudo number one in that we believe that he's driving the whole thing and Muschamp's just relaying the deal. Okay. I got two minutes, Bartu. What, what okay. direction do you want to go? Um, and then we'll, I'd like to do a follow-up next week because you'll have dropped all of them. Yeah, well, you know what we can do next week is we can go through the first and second teams 
and why don't we go through the first and second team? What we'll do is we'll do a hybrid. What would this look like if Texas and Oklahoma had joined this year? Yes, yes. So we'll, we'll take like a that. look at what the first and second team all coaching staff in the SEC would have looked like when Texas and Oklahoma shows up. We kind of teased it a little bit there, but we'll be able to go through all of it. Uh, I don't think there'll be a whole lot of surprises um, in the first and second team all-conference staffing other than Nick is the only dude from Alabama in there. That might be the only really big surprise because, you know, five, six, seven years ago, dude, they'd have been everywhere, right? And it's Nick, and that's it. That's it. We're going to leave it there. That is a great tease for next time. Basically, (laughs) Saban has slipped on his staffing. Did y'all hear that? He is the only one on the first or second team, all coaching uh, coaches teams by Matrix Analytical. And several years ago, he'd have had guys all over the place. Remember that, and we'll follow up with Dave next week. Dave Bartu, have a great weekend, buddy. Enjoy Northern California. Thank you, brother. Talk to you soon. Bartu joined us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. That interview of SEC and college football was brought to you by Patron Tequila. Super premium, 100% blue agave tequila. Try some this weekend. We'll see you tomorrow.